1: Hello. Hi. Welcome to Aging Life, my show about all things aging. Today, we are exploring reverse mortgages. These mortgages are typically used as a financial tool for long-term care expenses. Some seniors are considering and using them to supplement their income. As the number of those aging expands astronomically, particularly over the next um, decade, um, Reverse mortgages are being advertised more and more. You, you actually see ads on TV. Uh, they're being discussed. They're being considered more often as a viable instrument that may allow an older adult to remain in their home and do what we call age in place. I've been aware of reverse mortgages for the last few decades, I've only used reverse mortgages in a handful of times, however, in my work, although many of the folks that I work with come uh, much later in life and um, and have um, significant care needs. And so that is part of the reason, but we're going to talk about all of that today. Um, I'm sure I will learn things today along with you that, that may encourage me to look at reverse mortgages more often. And I, and I will talk about the times that I've used them and, and when I've seen some really positive successes. I also know that reverse mortgages have changed somewhat over the years, adding more features, uh, lowering some of the costs, I believe. And so I look forward to hearing more about the newest features and, uh, and from my um, guests today. But let's get to it. Uh, I'd like to welcome my guest today, Ms. Millie Garcia from El Paso, Texas. Millie is a home equity retirement specialist. I met Millie recently when we were both presenting at a continuing legal education event on long-term care. Her knowledge of this topic was impressive to me, and so I invited her to join me on the show, and I'm delighted that you have joined us today, Millie. Welcome to Aging Life.
2: Thank you so much. It is my pleasure. I am very grateful for this opportunity. Thank you.
1: Well, it's our opportunity too, because um, you have a lot you can tell us. And there are, um, I have so many questions and they're incredibly random. Mm -hmm. And so I think the best way to do this is to just start by having you describe what a reverse mortgage is, which may roll into some of the features, but um, please tell us what is a reverse mortgage?
2: Yes, thank you. So a reverse mortgage is an FHA-insured loan that allows people over the age of 62 to take a loan out. It's a loan that doesn't have to be paid back as long as you live. Once the borrowers were to pass away, then the heirs will have the choice to either refinance the loan or to keep the home or a year to sell it, pay enough, and then keep whatever equity is left. In the meantime, though, they continue to pay the taxes and the insurance and in good faith maintain the home. So you'll see the acronym HECM um, in most of the reverse mortgage sites or paperwork. HECM stands for Home Equity Conversion Mortgage. Again, Home Equity Conversion Mortgage. Okay. So it's a home equity loan. Um, And so unlike a traditional home equity loan where they'll loan you 80 to 90% loan to value, on a reverse mortgage, it's going to be a a lesser percentage, but also unlike a regular home equity loan where they'll say, okay, well, we'll loan you the 80% or 90%, here are your payments, and oh, by the way, if you fail to make a payment, you're going to run a risk in, you know, having some foreclosure issues or credit issues, whatever, on a reverse mortgage, it's a voluntary payment. Now, I say voluntary payment because absolutely, you can pay on the reverse mortgage if you like. However, I will state that most of my clients probably don't pay anything at all, including my parents when they did their reverse mortgage. So most people don't. But one thing that we're finding, and we'll talk about it a little bit further, is um, the new trend right now is to fund a reverse mortgage because it opens up a lot of um, opportunities down the road.
1: Yes, and so um, God, you just said a lot of things that. <laughs> you, oh, I know um, the how much you can take out. So, let's say you have a home worth four hundred thousand. And you owe 120000 So you have 280000 in equity.
2: Thank you. I'm pulling out my, oh. my calculator here. Yeah. Well,
1: what, what are the considerations in, um, is there an age consideration in terms of how much equity you can take? Um, I think that's the way I've typically heard it. But, um, uh, you know, how do they figure that out?
2: That is correct. So the loan is based on the age of the youngest borrower. So if you have an 80-year-old man or woman married to a 62-year-old, then the loan will be based on the age of the 62-year-old.
1: An 80-year-old woman and a 62-year-old man, is that?
2: Right, or vice versa. So 62-years-old is what the loan would be based on. And so at 62, you qualify for the lowest amount we have some things that uh, will depend on what um, will be loaned out, but you can say it will be about 45 to 50% is the loanable amount. Uh, What depends on that is would be the value of the home and the interest rates that are being offered at the time. And so usually with a higher valued home, uh, we can do a little bit more magic on the percentages, but on the lower valued homes, unfortunately, those are, you know, they just loan a little bit less. So, Forty-five to fifty percent is what would be loanable, which means that they would need about fifty-five percent, fifty-five to fifty percent in equity in order to do the loan.
1: So, just to give me a sense, so if I'm seventy-five or eighty in your example, and I don't have a spouse, right? So, in that particular, just give me a sense of uh, the difference.
2: So, if you don't have a spouse and you're 80 or both um, are 80 years old, then you could probably get about 65% loan to value. Okay.
1: okay. So, so what, what's the maximum you've seen?
2: Um, so maximum is about 65, 68% um, mm-hmm. is what I'm seeing. So, my oldest client was 101. And um, so, yes, um, that would be pretty much th- tapping it out. So they've reduced recent in recent years what was loanable. And the reason why they did that is because the FHA um, fund was being compromised. So in reverse mortgages, when they were first designed, they were designed to be um, uh, um, owned. They're not subsidized at all by the government. And so we run our own ship. We don't we don't cost the government any money. We don't, um, we don't make the government any money. And that's one of the misconceptions is that people think that we're strained sometimes on the government for whatever reason. And so that's not the case. So we're made to be self-sustained. And so um, what happened was that the MMI fund, the mortgage um, insurance fund, was getting compromised because a lot of people were um, defaulting on the loan. They were failing to pay their taxes and their insurance, oh. and that was causing a real big problem, and the FHA insurance was having to be kicked in more often than they would have liked. So in order to sustain the program so that it would continue to be profitable, they uh, reduced the amount that was loanable, and that was back in 2000. Well, it was several times that they they knocked it down a little bit, but the most recent one was in 2017.
1: Oh, I, I was thinking that it might have been because people are living longer and, you know, um, they're getting caught upside down. But but it, that's interesting. And it could be that people aren't paying their taxes and insurance because they have other issues going on and they just don't remember to do it. But at any rate, um, so um, just the very basics, um, when you get this home equity loan, you first automatically pay off any money that's owed on the current mortgage.
2: That is correct. Any liens, Mm -hmm. any tax liens or mortgages. I'm sorry.
1: Yeah. And you stop your mortgage payment. There is no payment ever. You can voluntarily make a payment, but there's no payment.
2: Right. So we... There is no mortgage payment, however, taxes and insurance and any homeowners association dues still continue to be paid. So that's really important for the borrowers to understand that.
1: Yes. Okay. Got that. And um, and there's a variety of ways people can take that money out. Um, but before we get to that what are some of the reasons people might do a reverse mortgage? Um, I have my own thoughts. I want to hear yours first.
2: Yeah. So there's really four common uses of a reverse mortgage. um, And I I definitely want to share with you with some other um, new strategies that we've been seeing. But the most common are, first of all, the mortgage payment. Just by simply eliminating the mortgage payment, that's a lifeline for many people. I mean, if somebody tells me, "Okay, your thousand-dollar mortgage, you don't no, have to, no longer have to pay it, uh, except for taxes and insurance and homeowners association," that could really be a significant change for that person's financial well-being. Um, the other common uh, way to uh, or use of a reverse mortgage is by taking a monthly payment. Now, I think this is probably the least used option. Um, And the reason why is because most people don't know their budget well enough. But if you see like a shortfall every single month of $400 every single month, I had a couple who every month they were having to tap into the RIA because they were short every single month without fail, $400. So they knew enough about their budget to be able to um, do a $400 payment plan every single month in order um, to fit that, that gap, to fill that gap. So that way they wouldn't have to take a hit for taxes or um, any other fees that they would be subjected to. Also, some people use that payment option for paying for home care. So for instance, they wanna take care of mom and mom and dad or mom or dad. And they know that uh, they need a supplement in income. Now, the reverse, depending on the value of the home, may not pay fully for that some, that person to come in and take care of mom and dad, but it can certainly work as a supplement. So $500 a month, maybe sometimes a 1000 depending on the home, may be enough help for those people to be able to now bring somebody home to take care of their aging parents. Another very common use, and it's actually my favorite, is a line of credit. The line of credit is where you're able to draw on the money as you need it. Um, I think this is the most efficient way to use the reverse, and the, depending on the, the situation. But I think that it's very efficient because, first of all, you're only accruing interest on the money that you've actually pulled out. And what the other money that you have sitting in the line of credit is continuing to grow for you. So you're able to use it when you really need it. You know, either for taxes, property taxes are due, or now the air conditioner broke, or even if we want to take a small vacation somewhere, we have a fund to pull from instead of getting back into debt and using those credit cards. It's also used effectively to be able to, if for some reason we do the reverse mortgage at 62, at 82, we have let that line of credit build up enough to where now we can uh, pay for a long-term care situation or, um, you know, to help fund again, someone coming home and and taking care of our parents. So the line of credit is is a, a way of using the reverse mortgage that I highly favor. And then the last option is to purchase a home using a reverse mortgage. And this is a fairly new, I think it's been around since 2014, where we have the ability to purchase a home using a reverse. And so instead of paying down a mortgage, now we're using that um, to apply funds towards buying a home. And, it, you know, it just depends on the situation. We could either upsell, you know, get them into the home of their dreams, or maybe we want to downsize. Maybe we had a two-story home and now we want to move into a one-story home um, and be able to purchase that home using a reverse mortgage. So I said a lot. I'm sorry. I didn't didn't pause. Oh, for- that's
1: okay. I think we'll we'll um, probably break that down. I want to back up. Um, and at, first of all, I want to say the uh, line of credit is my favorite way to use the mortgage. And again, because the um, you know while you eliminate a mortgage payment, the f- the fact is there is a mortgage payment. It's just that you're not making it. So it is on paper. And it is um, equity plus um, principal plus interest. And so you're accumulating over time. And um, so there is actually uh, a payment on paper being made. And so your equity is being eroded. We know that. Correct. Um, uh, But um, by using the, as you said, by using the line of credit, you can potentially. Eliminate the mortgage. Let's say you have of the four hundred, a hundred thousand. Just eliminate that payment. Put the other um, hundred thousand or so or more into um, the line of equity, the credit line of credit. Thank you, line Mm -hmm. of credit. I wasn't thinking about the fact that you are accumulating. Is that at a money market
2: rate or? So, it's actually accruing at the same rate as what the loanable amount is, plus 0.5%. So, say your loan is at, you know, throw it out there, 3.5. And that's, I don't know what the rates are today. Um, 3.5, you would be earning 4% on your line of credit um, on a compounding basis. And so, that could really grow substantially over the course of the years, especially if you started your reverse mortgage at, at age 62.
1: Very nice, very nice.
2: Um, Now, I
1: have a note here that um, you must have at least 50% equity in your home.
2: 45 to 50, again, depending on the age, the older you are, the more you qualify for. Okay. Okay, and
1: um, home modifications is another way people use that I've read about, so you know, you want to age in place and you need to make some changes to your home, sometimes people will use the home equity funds for that. The, um, yeah, the the client situation, um, I've done a few, probably several, but uh, the one most recently, I had a granddaughter living in the home with her grandmother and we did the home equity to eliminate the mortgage payment and all debt, um, for grandma. And then we were able to pay her daughter, her granddaughter, um, a stipend. Um, I think it was 500 a month, um, to help care for her grandmother. And so, um, and to pay those costs, the maintenance insurance taxes and, and other costs, medical costs that she had. And, and she, um, she she did not outlive the funds which was um really a success story in my mind and she was able to stay in the home even when she began to require more help um we were able to bring it in later so um yeah i think it can be very very successful
2: It can be a really um, big game changer for people, especially I've gone into homes where, you know, someone that's living on a fixed income probably doesn't have the funds to repair their roof or to add handrails, um, just different things. And so this will allow someone to be able to make the modifications in their home. Um, And like you said, I mean, it doesn't have to be one way that they get the money. They can do a combination of partial lump sum with uh, a line of credit, and um, you know, any combination thereof. So it's pretty neat to see where it can fit in different needs uh, with just the one loan. So it's it's really, you know, it warms my heart to be able to do this for people.
1: Well, for my um, for my younger listeners, um, my cohort. Um, folks, 62, you know, younger seniors, 62, 75, whatever. Um, this whole new uh, feature about purchasing a home is is intriguing. And so we need to take our first break. But when we come back, I want to talk about that feature. Um, and before we go, I do want to do a shout out to my sponsors, TrueLink Financial Who is now offering banking services, investment services, as well as their very well known Trulink card and um, Decades Group uh, private fiduciary services? So we'll be right back.
0: This is Aging Life Network. If you have a question or comment for Nancy about the show, please send an email to nancy at aginglifenetwork.com. That's nancy at aginglifenetwork.com. Now, back to the program.
1: Hi, this is Nancy, and um, if you have any questions at the end of this show, please um, please submit your questions to me at my, um, at my email address. And I will get answers for you. I will say that um, Millie is licensed in six states: um, California, Texas, New Mexico, Colorado, Florida, and Arizona. Arizona. And so, if you live in any of those states and you want to speak with Millie directly about your own situation, um, she's available to talk to and. I'll give you her email and um, phone number before the end of the show. So um, before we move on to some of the costs and and some of the reasons people won't do a reverse mortgage, I am very intrigued when I heard about this home purchase piece. It just, I, I don't, I have not read anything that helps me understand it. So I'm hoping you can do that for us. But I do know younger seniors who um, might be interested in this.
2: Yes, especially right now with the pandemic, we're seeing just a huge um, change in people moving and buying homes, uh, selling, and I personally uh, recently bought a home, so I'm part of that movement that's going on. And so... Um, I'm going to give you a couple of examples. First of all, we call it right-sizing because we might either want to buy the home of our dreams because now we're empty nesters and we don't have to worry about uh, taking care of the kids, or now we want to downsize because we want to um, buy a home that fits our budget a little bit better. Um, So uh, the the catchphrase in reverse mortgages is right-sizing. And so I have a loan right now that I'm working in Arizona, and it's a couple in Kansas City that they're going to finally buy a home. They've been living in an apartment. Um, I'm not sure how long exactly, uh, but they're looking to buy a beautiful home in Robson Ranch, and the home actually costs $738,000. So they're applying the funds that they would get from a reverse mortgage. In this case, they qualify for three hundred and forty-six. dollars they're age 62, so they qualify for the lowest amount. So they're going to, they've been saving up, they haven't had a mortgage payment. So they have um, $392,000 that they're going to put down as a down payment. And then the reverse mortgage will put in the three forty-six dollars to pay off that home. So after everything is said and done, they will have a home that's completely paid. They just have to continue paying their taxes and their insurance and their HOA fees and of course maintain the home. But now they're they're in essence buying a home for about half the price, which is pretty, pretty amazing. Um, so that's the what that's one loan that I'm working right now. Okay. Um, so I'll
1: depending s- on your age, you would put anywhere from thirty-five to fifty percent.
2: Yeah, it's about 45 to 50% um, at the youngest age. Um, One of my most favorite stories is um, a lady, uh, uh, there was uh, two sisters. And so one thing that I'm not sure I had brought up is that a reverse mortgage isn't just between a a husband and a wife or um, common law spouses. You can do it between brothers, sisters, as long as they're over the age of 62, they can do a reverse mortgage if they both live in the home as a primary homestead. So in this case, I had a, a set of sisters. They were both in their 80s. And in El Paso, the homes are priced a little bit lower. So pardon the, the examples, but here they had a home that they were trying to sell for 120,000. And um, you know the son had to come from across the city to you know check them out, make sure they were okay every single day. And it was becoming a bit of a burden Aside from that, they weren't able to sell the home for 120. dollars This was before the market went crazy. So they did get an offer for $110,000. So what they did is they sold the home for $110,000, and they still had a mortgage on there of $17,000. Um, so they sold the home for 110, dollars so they netted $93,000 from the sale of the home, and they bought a brand-new home with a home warranty and everything for $175,000. So they upsized, in essence. But what they did is, they used only eighty percent. I'm sorry, eighty thousand of their proceeds uh, to buy this home because that's what they qualified for. The reverse paid in the difference. So what this was able to accomplish was various things. First of all, they bought a new home. They went from a hundred and ten thousand dollar home to a hundred and seventy five thousand, brand new home. Uh, they were able to get rid of their mortgage payment because they had that $17,000 mortgage and they still were able to put $13,000 in their savings. And oh, by the way, the home, the new home was next door to their son. So it was, it's one of my favorite stories. I get so excited when I, I think about it because it accomplished so many things for them and it, it just really was a cool deal. Okay. All right. That helps. Yeah. Okay. The other situation that I had really quick was um, I had a mother who was living in Colorado, and her kids were living in Texas. And so all the kids, they were looking for a modest home for 100000 and it was five kids, so they each put $10,000 down and helped mom buy a home in their state for $50,000 in in that particular situation. So again, it just depends. Um, I see a lot of people upsize, but I have seen some people downsize. So it just depends.
1: Right. And it depends on where you live. And, you know, if you're trying to buy a home in Denver versus, versus, you know.
2: That's um, been actually one of my more common states to do a reverse mortgage where I've had people from Albuquerque sell their home uh, and buy a home uh, a much bigger pricier home in Colorado using just the proceeds from the sale of the home to buy the new home that's been uh, actually I've done that several times kind of weird
1: hmm. very good yeah thank you that that certainly clarified that question for me so um, you know when is it a bad idea to um, to do a reverse mortgage Um Let's talk about that a little bit. Um, What situations have you seen where you might recommend that it's not the best idea?
2: Absolutely, so whenever I have the opportunity, I love having the kids in the conversation. And the reason why I like that is because I'm able to understand the parents' intentions and, you know, what are the intentions with the home? And so I throw it out there. It's like, okay, what what are the intentions? Is anybody gonna stay in the home? Does anybody want the home? Because sometimes the parents are keeping from doing something because they think the kids want the home and yet the kids are like, nope, I'm not moving back, you know? And that was actually my personal case with my parents. My mom was like, you know, I want this home for you. And I'm like, mom, I don't. And so anyway. Um,
1: right. So, so yeah, you know, some people worry about inheritance for their children. Right, uh, right.
2: And so usually if they want to sell the home, the intention is that, okay, I'm going to live here for two, three more years, and then I want to move back to my birthplace or move in with my kids, then sometimes that's not a good fit because you're going to take a big hit on closing costs. And so that's something that I do caution against that I don't think it's a good idea if they do a reverse mortgage for that purpose. Are are you
1: suggesting doing reverse mortgages is a big hit? I I thought the costs were a little more um, reasonable. We'll talk about that.
2: Yeah, we'll talk about closing. But there is part of their equity. Mm -hmm. They are going to give up on closing costs.
1: Yeah, you're paying closing costs. So why would you do that when you know you're going to move in three years?
2: Exactly, exactly. Um, And then so sometimes I have kids, uh, especially if they're disabled, uh, children living in the home, or maybe children that maybe don't have great credit um, and they live with with mom and dad, um, then I do feel a little uncomfortable in suggesting a reverse mortgage in that situation because I don't want to leave anybody displaced um, when mom and dad pass away. So, um, and then there's also the case, and for some reason, this has been the situation in a couple of uh, situations lately that I've worked with um, where they need more money than what the loan can offer them because they want to, I have a couple right now that they wanna to add to their home and it's gonna cost them 100,000 yet the reverse can only offer them 80,000. Uh, one thing I didn't mention that at the beginning of our conversation is that whatever they qualify for, they have to take it in two parts if they use the lump sum. So they're say they're eligible for 100,000 in reverse mortgage proceeds, they can get 60000 the first year and then 40000 the second year if they want to take the money that way. Again, not something I encourage, but again, depending on the situation, they might need it that way. So in this situation, they did need all the proceeds up front, which I'm not able to offer them. And so a home equity, a traditional home equity loan would be more of a a solution for them. And I do work closely with some credit unions um, here in Albuquerque and in Las Cruces, where I'm happy to refer them if I feel that a home equity loan is more of a a better solution for them.
1: Very good. Okay. Good. Um, Some other moments. Let's see. Well, the home maintenance piece. um, So, You're required to maintain the home. Can you say a little bit more about that? Because if you're not able to do it, then it's a bad idea to get a reverse. It
2: is. Um, No one is going to go and physically check on the home. Once they've done the loan, no one checks on it. However, the lender will know that um, there's there's problems with the home if for some reason the home becomes uninsurable. And so... um, If it's uninsurable, then those are huge red flags for the lender, and they do have the option to call the note due. Um, One of the things that happened back in 2015 is that the industry introduced what's called financial assessment, where before we didn't care about the borrower's income or credit, and that was a problem because we would run into those situations where people didn't have the money to be able to do the maintenance, the regular maintenance on a home. We're not asking them to put, you know, the latest and greatest floors or shutters or anything like that. We just want them to, to maintain a safe environment uh, for them. And so, in this particular case, um, people were defaulting on the loan. And so now, because we do have income and credit qualifications, we we try and limit that default rate and also limit those situations where um, repairs where the home cannot be maintained properly.
1: So, um, so th- this is not the government offering these mortgages. You mentioned this earlier. This, these are private companies, right? In your case, it's Mutual of Omaha has a mortgage division, and you provide the mortgages through them, correct? That is correct. And so that's why, um, you know, insurance companies are very good at actuarial tables and reviewing uh, risks and et cetera. And so that's where how the the industry has evolved. Um, But it is backed by, you said it's an FHA loan. So it's somehow backed by the government, the feds.
2: So the government has three things to do with this program. And that's also a big misconception is that people feel that once they've done this, they're on a, on a government program. Um, and, and so HUD does put the rules on reverse mortgages. So we're all, all lenders have the same exact rules. Now, the trend right now is that we're seeing a lot of proprietary products uh, for the higher valued homes, for the $1 million, $4 million homes you'll see Uh, More proprietary products, but most of the reverse mortgage out there are FHA insured. What that does is that makes this a non recourse loan, which means that if at some point, if the loan is worth more than what the home is, and that's actually what happened with my parents' home, Mm -hmm. then the FHA insurance pays the difference so that no debt is passed on to the heirs. Um, And so that's what the FHA component of it is um, that it also comes with a cost and that's part of one of the closing costs and we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit but so going back to the three things the government has to do with this program is the FHA insurance there's also counseling that is required so once you've decided you want to move forward on the loan you do have to do counseling with a HUD counselor who has no interest on the loan and it's really there for the consumer's protection to make sure they understand what they're doing to make sure that they understand the responsibilities in doing the loan, as far as the taxes and the insurance and in maintaining the home, um, and there to be a, a, another set of eyes to guide them and making sure that it is a, an appropriate product for them. Mm-hmm. The other part that the government has to do with it is, um, as I mentioned, is they they provide the rules for all lenders, so all lenders can can loan the exact amount based on the same rate, based on the same age. So we're all going to be the same in that respect.
1: So HUD is really the overseer in, in some instances. So if there were enough complaints based on XYZ, they would um, they would be reviewing and um, changing roles.
2: Absolutely. And so yes, CFBP is definitely on watch. Um, I'm happy to say that, less than 1% of any mortgage complaints are about reverse mortgages. And I really attribute that towards the counseling that is done ahead of time. Uh, We really try and ensure the borrower understands we're very sensitive to our older borrowers. and, And as I had also mentioned, I really like having the kids involved. That way there's no hidden agendas and everybody knows what we're trying to accomplish.
1: So my last question before we get to costs is, um, I know there have been changes in the rules if somebody has a spouse under 62. So I'm 75, my spouse is 60. Um, Help me with that scenario.
2: Yes, that was really exciting change for the industry. And it was introduced back in 2014, except in, in Texas. Texas is complicated, but everywhere else. If you have what we call a non-borrowing spouse, so an 80-year-old married to a 60-year-old, and it actually happens quite frequently, then um, we can deed the younger spouse off title. However, they still have a benefit to it. So if the older spouse were to pass away, as long as they were married prior to doing the loan and they were married at the time of death, That younger borrower, whether they're 60 or 40, they can stay in the home the rest of their life without having to make a payment, except for the taxes and insurance. And um, so they're able to stay in the home and, um, you know, continue to live there without being displaced. Um, The situation comes, though, is that if they did have a line of credit, though, that line of credit does get frozen at the time of the older borrower's um, death but the younger borrower can still stay in the home for the rest of their life if they choose to, or they can sell it, pay them off, and then keep what at Berkeley's left, but they, you know, they don't get displaced. Well, that's
1: good to know. And mm-hmm. um, can they then do some kind of new reverse or?
2: Not until they're 62.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But they could conceivably. They could. Interesting. Huh. Okay. Well, this is all very helpful. Um, See. so bad idea if you're going to move soon if you can't maintain the home although that's a really broad definition um, you don't necessarily have to have somebody cutting the lawn it's more about falling into um, neglect and disrepair um, younger spouse we've sort of responded to that um, if somebody's pressuring you to do the loan and then talking to you about investing the money. There's a little bit of a red flag there. Huge red flag. Um, Huge red flag. Um, You do lose the equity in your home over time, the longer you're there, of course. And for some people, they see their home as an inheritance, an asset for their children. And so, you know, they they, uh, need to understand how it's actually going to work. And then, of course, there are some additional costs, which um, some borrowers don't like. I'm gonna um, I'm gonna take our break just a minute early so that we can come back and really delve into costs in our final segment, and um, you know I also want to talk about. Um, what happens, you mentioned what happens when they die, but that, or if somebody has to leave the home for a short period of time, what are the limits around that? And then sometimes we have folks on Medicaid-based services coming into the home and how is that impact by the mortgage? So we've got several more questions. Um, I've got Millie Garcia, um, home equity retirement specialist with Mutual of Omaha Mortgage. We will be right back.
2: Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa,
0: play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Are you overwhelmed and struggling with the next step? Is your family in crisis? Do you need advice or help making a difficult decision for an aging loved one? Aging Life Network was developed to connect you with senior care experts and life care professionals who will discuss your unique situation, offer practical step-by-step guidance, tell you the questions to ask, and help you understand the maze of options. Their network of life care professionals, available to you through HIPAA-compliant video conferencing and calls, will work with you to create action plans To solve your current and real-time problems, Aging Life Network's online educational center, ALN Academy, offers 24-7 access to the most up-to-date and accurate information for seniors and their families. Through podcast interviews with senior care experts, articles, and live webinars, Aging Life Network shares with you those things you need to know to care for your aging loved one. Check out aginglifenetwork.com today and find the answers you need.
1: Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America
0: Health & Wellness. This is Aging Life Network. If you have a question or comment for Nancy about the show, please send an email to nancy at aginglifenetwork.com. That's nancy at aginglifenetwork.com. Now, back to the program.
1: Welcome back, and thank you for joining us today. We are talking about reverse mortgages, and I am uh, asking Ms. Millie Garcia about the costs. I know there are some additional costs. We all have closing costs when we do a refinance or any type of mortgage. Can you address some of those additional costs and approximate numbers?
2: Absolutely. So. Reverse mortgages have three fees uh, attached, three different closing cost um, buckets, I guess, if you want to think about it that way. You have your origination fee, which is the bank's fee. um, And that's usually based off of two two to 1% of the value of the home, it just depends. Um, And sometimes that that fee can sometimes be negotiable, it depends. Um, Then we have our mortgage insurance premium. That's that that fee from FHA that makes this a non-recourse loan. Um, making the, for some reason, we're upside down, Uh, the loan is worth more than what the home is, then the FHA insurance pays the difference so that no debt is passed on to the heirs or to the borrowers. If somebody, if their home burns down and they want to walk away from the home, they can walk away because of that FHA insurance. And there is a fee to that. It's usually based on 2% of the value of the home. And then you have your traditional title fees, your survey fee, your appraisal fee, your counseling fee, um, the recording fees. And so it can really range between 7,000. If we have a large valued home, you can see it as high as 15,000, um, depending on the on the size of the home, even if on a million dollar home, it probably would be closer to about 20,000.
1: Mm-hmm. But on a $400,000 home,
2: yeah, so that one would be about fifteen thousand. Really? So uh, typically,
1: you see an origination fee. Typically, you see other closing costs. Um, uh, from what you said, all I'm hearing that's different is the FHA. That is
2: correct. I just recently purchased a home and my closing costs were about the same except for that insurance. And so that is um, really the difference now in the proprietary products. You're going to see zero um, mortgage insurance premium because they're not FHA insured. They still have a lot of the guarantees. And so those are going to be for the higher valued homes that they can use the proprietary product with no mortgage insurance premium. Yeah. And so, those are all rolled in, by the way. So um, I don't want to spook people in thinking that they have to come up with that amount of money. Everything is rolled into the loan.
1: Yeah. So, okay. Well, that's good to know. Mm-hmm. 2% on 400000 is about 8000 Is that a one-time fee?
2: There is a one-time fee from FHA, and then there's an ongoing fee of 0.5% that accrues on the loan, on the proceeds that have been taken out. Point
1: five. Point 0.5. So five percent.
2: Point five. So point half of a
1: percent. Half a percent. Okay. Doing my math here. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. All right. Um, yeah, we, we don't have to take time for me to, to um so that could be a lot every year. A that percent. accrues on the loan. Yes. It accrues on the loan. Correct. So you don't Correct. pay it. You don't pay it. So what are we paying annually? We're paying taxes, any HOA fees? And insurance, homeowners insurance. Homeowners insurance, okay. Okay, so I see. So those fees add to the loan. Again, for the person who's planning to remain... Sorry, I lost my mic. The person intending to remain in the home for several years, these fees are rolled into... Um, the accumulation against the equity in the home. They, they're not actually out of pocket.
2: Okay. Correct. All right. Yeah, most people can walk into the loan uh, just paying a, an appraisal deposit of $300 um, and the counseling fee usually ranges between 125 to $200 depending on the counselor. So usually those are the only upfront fees and even some of the counseling agencies will offer free counseling so, it, again, it just depends. Um, and if the person is in, in dire straits and cannot come up with the $300 appraisal deposit, that can also be waived.
1: I see. Okay. All right. So, the upfront costs can be pretty minimal to the individual. But, again, they and for a long-term reverse mortgage buyer, um, it just becomes part of the, the overall accumulation that occurs against the home. Okay, so um, I have a couple other questions, but um, you, um, during the break, you and I talked about the fact that there are some other uses for the mortgage.
2: Do you want to help me speak to that? Yes, thank you. So as an industry, we're kind of starting to understand uh, the power of our products. And it was really, um, it started with a couple of professors out of Texas Tech. John Salter, Harold Levinsky, uh, and more recently, Dr. Wade Fowle, And so they've been able to to put a reverse mortgage um, in their retirement planning models and saw how it can really impact a retirement plan. So some of the ways to use it is, first of all, using a reverse mortgage to fill in the gap between 62 to 69, use the reverse mortgage proceeds, and then file for Social Security to maximize your Social Security income potential um i think that's such a cool way the other one is sequence of risk planning so when the market goes down our instinct is to start taking money out of our retirement plans and so here you can use a reverse mortgage to fill in those gaps so that you don't have to go into your into your investments and be able to maintain assets under management intact and use the reverse now reverse mortgages the proceeds are tax-free and they even on the growth on the reverse mortgage on the line of credit is also tax-free and completely liquid so instead of going into your investments now you're able to use the reverse mortgage and if you want to pay it back you can without any prepayment penalties but it really helps somebody versus going into their investments in avoiding those fees Um, The other way is also on people who do have a mortgage and want to use it to pay it off. They can, uh, and this is a really neat feature where they still continue to make that exact same payment on the reverse mortgage as they did with a regular mortgage. However, on a regular mortgage, well, yes, you're adding to your equity and now you have more equity in your home. But if you think about it, you can't pull out money from your equity unless you rent it, you sell it, or you take a loan out against it. So here you're creating a line of credit bucket. Um, so you're paying down your mortgage, so you don't have much of a, of a loan against your home, but now you're creating a pool of funds to for you to use, you know, when you're 82 or when you need it um, to pay for somebody to come care for you at your home. And so that's a really uh, neat way of using the reverse mortgage strategy to be able to kind of accomplish a lot of things in one, being able to pay down your mortgage, but at the same time, creating that pool of funds that you might need later on down the road. And you would have the option to stop paying at any point. So maybe you your intention is to pay it, but because coronavirus, whatever happens, you can stop at any point or pick back, pick right back up if you choose to, whenever you like. And so have that having that flexibility can be just really peace of mind for some people.
1: Right. Well, it's a, you know, even if you don't have enough equity to. To Do a line of credit simply paying off your mortgage instantly. If you had a monthly mortgage payment, instantly boosts your um, available income, your discretionary income. Yes, certainly. Correct. Um, see, this last segment comes, it, 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 the close comes very quickly, as yeah. I was telling you. So um, I had a question about if you're using Medicaid based services, but you know, we're going to. We're going to kick that ball, kick that can down the road and just simply say, if if mom is already using Medicaid services in the home or outside the home, then you should probably talk to an estate planning attorney um, about the reverse mortgage and how it will impact things. Um, it could be having it in a line of credit can protect you, but we'll let the attorney's
2: yeah, them. that's a little bit more complicated situation, and so it's best to to have an estate planning attorney be able to guide them to see what is the best thing for them. They can still have a reverse mortgage, but it, it is a little bit more complicated, so we, we definitely want to leave that for the experts. Yes,
1: and uh, and then if you, if you have to leave your home for a time, you know, sometimes people go into um, rehab or they might need to stay in a nursing home for six months to get stronger before they go home. What are the rules about um,
2: having the home be empty? Yes, thank you for that question because I I don't think we had addressed it. So the loan becomes due upon death, sale of the home or leaving the home for more than 12 consecutive months due to an illness. So if a borrower has to leave the home for more than 12 consecutive months, they could call the note due. And the way the lender will know is, first of all, they send a letter once a year to confirm that they're living in the home as a primary homestead. If that letter is not signed, then they start looking for them. Uh, they'll reach out, they'll send them letters, they'll um, you know, send them certified mail to try and locate them. But if they determine that, that once both borrowers have left the home for more than 12 consecutive months, passed away, or sold it, then that's when they can call the note due. Um, and so, if somebody has left the home for more than twelve months, they really, um, chances are, they're probably not going to be able to come back to the home anyway. So they should sell their home, pay it off, and then whatever whatever equity is left, take them to their next chapter.
1: And again, if they sell the home and the loan is higher than the value of the home, um, that's not a concern for the senior or the. They family. walk away correct.
2: Okay. Now, because of the recent changes, though, there is more likely because we're loaning less on the loan, there's more equity there left. Um, so, there is a high probability that there will be some equity there either for the, the heirs or for the borrowers to have should they need to sell the home, pay enough, and then keep whatever equity is left. And when so, when the
1: individual dies, um, whether there's equity or not, the, uh, the beneficiaries have Options to refinance, sell the home, or just walk away.
2: That is correct. So once the bars have passed, they have ninety days to refinance a loan order to keep the home, or they have it. We say up to a year, but the way it reads, the actual rule is they have six months um, to sell the home, and they can request a um, two-three month extensions for a total of a year.
1: Okay. There are so many questions. If someone has a specific question and they don't want to ask me, they can certainly ask you, Millie, how would someone reach you by email?
2: It would be a pleasure for me to assist anybody with any of their questions. Um, so my email address is m i l l i e g as and Garcia, at mutualmortgage.com. Again, Millie. M I L I E the letter G, at mutualmortgage.com. And even though you're um, only
1: licensed in six states, um, it sounds like the rules are pretty universal nationally. And so people in anywhere in the U.S. who have a question and are listening um, would be welcome to shoot you an email.
0: It would be wanna, my pleasure.
1: Yes, thank you. And so I want to... Thank you, the listeners, for being here at Aging Life. And I certainly want to thank Millie Garcia for um, joining me today. I appreciate what you do and all the families that you assist. And um, I hope you have a great week. And take care.
2: Likewise. Thank you so much.
1: You bet. Um, You can go to aginglifenetwork.com, hit the podcast button, and you can listen on demand. Send to your friends. Thanks very much. Take care. Bye.
0: Thank you for tuning in this week to Aging Life Network. Please join host Nancy Oriola for another edition of the program next Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We can't wait to talk again.